Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. There's only one that answers, and his name is Jesus. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the risen Savior. He is the God of eternity. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the provider. He's the one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. His name is Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, we lift up your name, we lift up your name, Jesus, Jesus. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that that name Jesus still sets the captives free. We thank you that the name Jesus still causes darkness to tremble. We thank you that the name of Jesus, oh, we thank you for the name Jesus. That it's the name that we can call on in the time of trouble. And he's closer than a brother. He's not far off. He's not a distant God. We thank you that you're not a God who would lie. You're not a God who needs to repent. You're not a God who, who's shortened. You're, you're the God who is the ever-present help in time of need. We thank you you're the God who, who heals cancer. You're the God who, who delivers the insomniac. You're the God who heals depression. You're the God who, who sets things in motion. You are the beginning and you are the end. You are the alpha, you are the omega. You're the risen king. You're the soon coming king. 
You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Oh, you are Jehovah Shalom, the God our peace. You are Jehovah Shammah, the God our banner. You are the lofty one. You're El Elyon. You are the high and lifted up one. The one that Isaiah 6 describes as the one who is high and lifted up. And the train of your robe fills the temple. And all of creation cries, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You're the one that the elders cast their crowns before. Oh, you are God. And beside you there is no other. And I thank you this morning, God, that you are dispelling sickness in this room this morning. You're the God who caused cancer to leave Yolanda's body. You're the God who stepped in when doctor said Melanie's dad wouldn't make it. Oh, he's still alive today and getting better by the day. You're the God who says to Lou Gehrig's disease, roll back disease. Go back to hell from where you came from. You're the God who heals and makes bodies whole. You're the God who delivered me from 20 years of migraines. You are the God who heals. You're the God who sets free from depression. You're the God who meets people in their darkest place and says, come out. You're the God who said to Lazarus, who was dead for four days, Lazarus, come out. And he came out. You're the God who says to us in our grave, come alive. You're the God who says to the army in Ezekiel 37, can these bones live? And surely they did. We thank you that you are God all by yourself. And besides you, there is no other And we thank you that you are the God who is the same yesterday. You're the God who's the same today. And you'll be the same God when we wake up tomorrow. You don't change. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. And we thank you for it, God. We thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage this morning. And that people are going to be set free and they're going to have an encounter with you. I thank you, Father, this morning for the anointing that makes preaching easy. And that, Father, when I pull my hands back, it'd be your handprint that's left. That there'd be evidence that the Master touched His people this morning. We thank you, Master. We thank you, King Jesus, that you reign. And we thank you, Father, this morning that your word would go forth to accomplish what you send it to do. Because your word never returns void. Your word never returns void. Your word goes forth to accomplish what it says it will do. And we thank you, Father, this morning for your presence, for your power, for your anointing, and for your glory. And we thank you, Father, that you are causing many to come to you in this hour. In Jesus' name. If you believe God this morning, why don't you lift up a shout, lift up a praise. Just give Him thanks this morning. And as you take your seat this morning, touch somebody and say, He's in the room. He's in the room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, church, I feel so excited for the season that we are in. 
I feel so excited. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that, that when there is warfare, it's just a sign. Let me, let me tell you, it's just a sign that breakthroughs on the horizon. Okay? See, the enemy, he can't steal what God gives you. So what he does is he comes to try and prevent you from getting anything from God. But I want to tell you this morning that where the enemy's trying to prevent some things, we have a God who breaks open dams, right? We have a God of breakthrough, and that's what we're going to experience in this season. I preached it last week. If you haven't heard that message uh, uh, this morning, I encourage you. Uh, it'll be up on YouTube in the next couple days. Uh, we're working out some media stuff uh, to get that fixed, but it'll be up on YouTube in the next couple days. And so I want to just tell you, we're entering an incredible season as a church, as the family of God, and I believe as the corporate church, not just this house, but I believe the body of Christ is in a threshold season, that we're crossing over into something new, and, and the enemy wants to prevent that. So he's going to send all of hell to stand at the threshold, and, and you know, it's, uh, the, the, Bishop Joseph Garlington says this, when you're about to cross over from glory to glory, there's hell in the hallway, all right. How many of us have had some hell in the hallway? And the, the, the dogs of hell stand at the door of your destiny to try and bark you out of your destiny. But let me tell you, the enemy lost his bite at the cross. All right. All he's got is a bark. All he's got is a bark. He can't bite you. No weapon form shall prosper and his tongue's condemned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm starting a series this morning. It might go two or three weeks. I don't know. Uh, I had a, another series prepared uh, from a quiet time with the Lord, and then God just shaked it up a little bit and said, uh, I want you to preach this first to prepare them for the next series. So the next series will be called The Pursuit, because we're in pursuit of something in this season. We are in pursuit of something. But as I was away this week in, in the glorious uh, hills of, uh, of the, the Wachita Mountains and just uh, having some time with the Lord and, and getting some respite, the Lord began to speak to me about encounters. And I, I want to preach a series called Close Encounters. And uh, I, I've never seen the movie. I've never watched it. It's a Steven Spielberg movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It came out in 1977. I've never seen it. But all week I kept having, again, I've never seen it, but I, I've seen the trailer. And this is what the trailer says. Close Encounter of the First Kind, Sighting of a UFO. Close encounter of the second kind, physical evidence. Close encounter of the third kind, contact. We are not alone. And I kept having that replay over in my head all week long. And I'm thinking, what demonic assignment is this? And so I googled that phrase and I found that it was this, this phrase from that movie. It, it was a movie that took the world by storm. It, it was a sci-fi movie. I'm not endorsing it. Please understand that. But I believe that we're coming into some close encounters of the third kind. We're about to make contact with the Lord in a way that has been unprecedented for our life. And I want to make something clear this morning that we as a church are here on purpose. Say that this morning, on purpose. I believe that we have a very clear mandate from the Lord and that we are here on purpose and that that mandate is an encounter. It's revival. Our mandate as a church is revival, that people would come into an encounter with the living God, the manifested presence of Jesus, and that once they've 
come into that encounter that they would be equipped for their purpose and engage in the world around them. That that's where, why we exist. We're here on purpose. We're not here to play patty cake and, and just do church. And that I am committed, and I want to challenge you to be committed in this season like never before, to be passionate about these things. That we would be passionate about an encounter with God. That we would be passionate about being equipped for our individual purpose. Because here's the reality, that when we get equipped for our individual purpose, and we begin to link arms as a church, that we begin to fulfill our corporate purpose. And when we as a church fulfill our corporate purpose, we engage with the world around us and we bring transformation. That is our call. Our call as a church is to transform the world around us. And so in this morning, this, this morning, I'm, I'm going to issue a challenge to you. I'm going to issue a challenge to, to our church to come up higher. We're going to another level. And so uh, while I, I've never seen that movie, I believe it's because God wants to speak to the very essence of what I long for. And I, I believe what many of you long for is, is a walk with Him that is so close that people can smell Him on us. That, that when we are in the world, people get around us and they go, what is that? I know when I've been around my wife because she wears this, this incredible perfume and even just getting close to her, giving her a hug, I'll carry that smell with me for a while. How would it be if the church began to carry the fragrance of heaven? That we get so close to God that when people get around us, they go, what is that? What is that essence around you that we would be so close? Because, listen, I think so many of us, we've had close encounters of the first kind. We've had some sightings of God. We've seen Him at work. We've seen what He's done in other people's lives. Maybe we've even had some close encounters of the second kind, some physical evidence. You know, growing up in church, I've seen Him work. I've seen those close encounters of the second kind. and I've had my own close encounters of the third kind where I've come in contact with the living God. I've, I've come so close to Him. But listen, I long for the daily presence of the Lord. Daily communion with the Lord. This place where there is a daily relationship. And I've come to the conclusion that we encounter many things when we talk about God in church. On a regular basis, we encounter people. We've encountered the slick presentations. How many of us have ever encountered that? The slick presentations. They, they've got it packaged real well. We encounter the slick talk, the professional lighting, the professional sound, the professional programs, the slick promos. We encounter church. We encounter emotional moments. We encounter exhilarating times of worship. But my question to you this morning, church, when was the last time you had a close encounter with God? When was the last time that you could say you were so close? Notice I didn't say that you were impressed with church. I think as, as believers, we often get impressed with church. We can go into some of the greatest facilities in the nation and go, wow, look at this. Look at the lights. Look at the, the professional sound of their worship. Look at the logo, the people. But when was the last time you had a close encounter with God? We must understand that there is a huge difference between an encounter and a close encounter. For instance, how many of you have been driving down the highway and you see that guy sitting over on the side of the highway, right? You see those lights on top of his car and he pulls in behind you 
And then he pulls up next to you and he just kind of gives you like, hey, slow down. Maybe flashes the lights a couple times. That's an encounter. But how many of you have had a close encounter where he pulls up behind you, puts his lights on, you pull over and he comes up to your window and he says, do you know how fast you were going? How many have had those? That's a close encounter. You've been in that situation and, and, and you want to slam on your brakes, but you know it's too late. You know it's too late and that, that encounter probably has a huge difference of three or $400. How many of you have ever been in a restaurant or an airport when a famous person walks in and you see them across and you go, oh, that's so-and-so. But what would the difference be if they waved you over and said, hey, come, come stand with me. Come talk with me. I remember one time I was in New York City and I'd gotten on the wrong elevator. I was supposed to be on one elevator and I got on the wrong one and I got up to the 13th floor of this high rise and who would walk in? Meryl Streep, one of my favorite actresses. And she's standing there and I'm not saying a word because I'm thinking to myself, oh, it's Meryl Streep. And I'm standing there and I look, you know, kind of side eye. I don't have peripheral vision, y'all, so I have to turn my head when I, when I want to look. I, I, I literally don't have it. So I have to, and so I did this, this. And in only the way that Meryl Streep could, she goes, yes, it's me. <laughs> yes, it's me. And I'm standing there, I'm thinking, what, 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 what do I say? And this was back before we had fancy phones. You know, I had one of those Razor flip phones. So taking a selfie was not an option. And I didn't have the, the audacity to try and fumble through my backpack to get my actual camera to try and take a selfie. And so she asked me what I was doing, and I'm... I, <laughs> but what would happen in that same scenario if God walked into the elevator? See, I submit to you that as church, especially as church folks living in the Bible Belt, that most of us have become accustomed to encounters with God. I submit to you this morning that too many of us have been attending churches for years, faithfully, religiously, and we've been having encounters. And we settle for weekly encounters with God. We see Him at a distance. We see the physical evidence of Him in our life. But I want to challenge you that we need more than an encounter. We need a close encounter. We need contact with the King of Kings. This same tendency can be traced throughout the Bible. I, I, I want to reflect on a couple examples this morning. King Saul had a great anointing. He was anointed as king. He didn't just have a close encounter with God. 20 years without the presence of God in his home or his heart. But as long as he had a throne, he was content. As long as he had the palace and the comfortable bed, he had no problem that he had an anointing. Do you, do you get that? He had an anointing, but he didn't have a close encounter with God. He carried a weight in the spirit because he was king. He carried. People still bowed down to him because he was king, but he was content without the presence of the Lord. He was content with it. And then we have a contrasting David who was a man after God's own heart. He has a close encounter with God. All the while, his right-hand man, Joab, never had that close encounter with God. Same environment, same opportunities, same God, but different outcome. And daily he sees David contact God, worship God, experience God, but he stays at a distance. In the New Testament, you can see this happen with Jesus' disciples. Eleven of his disciples have this close contact with Jesus, but Judas remains on the outside. Judas encounters Jesus, but he never comes close enough to get a revelation of who he really was because had he had a revelation of who Jesus really was, he would have never sold him off. 
close encounters are different. But one of the best examples I found is the story of the ten lepers. Ten get healed. Ten lives are changed. Ten destinies are forever reshaped and marked by the power of God. However, only one had a close encounter while nine settle for just an encounter. Nine settle for spiritual pornography. They watch it happen. They experience a little, but they never come into that intimacy with Jesus. The one comes back to worship Jesus, but nine had no relationship, just cheap thrills. They'd just gotten a healing. The challenge that lies before us, TEC, as a body and as individuals, is whether we will settle for an encounter from time to time. Will we call it good church when we get goosebumps, get to dance a little, get to shout, get to show off our gifts a little, or will we hold out and hold on for a life-changing, world-wrecking, city-shaking, addiction-breaking, marriage-restoring, teenage-rescuing, close encounter with the Most High God? Will we hold out for a close encounter or will we settle for just the encounter of church? See, I must be honest this morning. Pastor Anna and I haven't been plowing in Brian to see how smart we can be or how fashionable we can be or just to have some talented musicians or just have a stage. I don't need a stage just to preach. We're here because we want a close encounter with God. More than more is our heart's cry. We desire to see the King of Kings come into a close encounter with our city. We, see, we desire to see you as the body of TEC to come into a close encounter with the King of Kings. I've encountered many things. I've tried many things. But what I've decided is those things don't satisfy I don't want to be Pentecostal in name only. I don't want to be Pentecostal by denomination only. I want a Pentecost experience. I want a close encounter. And I want you as a church to come into a close encounter with God more than ever before. I want to have such a close encounter with God that it knocks me off my feet and high horse. It knocks the anger out of my heart. It knocks bitterness. It knocks apathy. It knocks the critical spirit. It knocks prejudice out of us. Any of those things that are still in our heart, I want such a close encounter that it's like a sandblaster. When I get into His presence, it just begins to blast away all the things that have held me back. And I want you to experience the same thing. But I'm telling you, you've got to press in. You've got to push past just settling for church. In order for us to see this happen, we have to make a choice and a decision. We have to determine the type of church that TEC will be. There are two options for this church that can be found in Scripture. I want you to turn in your Bible to Ezekiel 44. I know it feels heavy this morning. We're going somewhere. Ezekiel 44, verse 11. Here's the first church that we could be. Ezekiel 44, verse 11. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel, therefore I have sworn against them, declares the Lord God that they shall bear the punishment for their iniquity, and they shall not come near to me to serve as a priest to me, nor come near to any of my holy things, to the things that are most holy. But they will bear the shame and their abominations which they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the house of all its service and of all that shall be done in it. 
This is what the Message Bible says. They're fired from the priesthood. No longer will they come into my presence and take care of my holy things. No more access to the holy place. They'll have to live with what they've done, carry the shame of their vile and obscene lives. From now on, their job is to sweep up and run errands. That's it. We can have a church like this. We can come in and have charge of the house. And I believe this is a message to the body at large. I'm not, listen this morning, I'm not saying that this is who we are as a church. I believe there's a challenge in the realm of the spirit though. In the crossing over of the threshold, the Lord is challenging us and he's giving us a picture of what we could be. We can offer sacrifices in the house. We can sing in the house. We can praise in the house. We can do church in the house and never come near to him. Do you understand that? He's saying to the priests in Ezekiel, I'm going to give you charge of the house. You can do all the things that you were doing, but you'll never come close to me. We can answer correctly when we asked if we went to church this Sunday. We can put a sticker on our car so that everyone will know that we belong. We can know all the words and the secret handshakes. We can have the things of God and never really have God. That's an option. We can settle for an encounter. Or we can make up our minds that TEC is more than that. We can make up our minds, determine in our hearts that as a body, we aren't about to settle for sweeping up and running errands. That there has to be more than that. We have to set our face like flint and fight for this place to be a church like that is described in 2 Chronicles 5. Turn there. 2 Chronicles 5. It'd help if your pastor knew where 2 Chronicles was. I'm joking. Verse 11. 2 Chronicles 5.11 When the priests came forth from the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and kinsmen, clothed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, standing east of the altar, and with, one of them, and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets. In unison when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music. And when they praised the Lord saying, He indeed is good for His loving kindness is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God what a picture we can have a church whether regardless of your rank or assignment read that again all the Levitical singers and then there were those blowing trumpets and then there were singers and then there were those who lifted up their voice and all the people praised the Lord so whether you are an usher, a janitor, an elder, or the preacher, it won't matter because you can experience the same amount of glory as the next person. Your rank, your assignment, your position, your title, whether you're the person who picks up crumbs or you're the person prophesying, no matter where you are in the church, if we determine in our hearts, we will experience the glory of God together. If we will rise up in one voice and declare TEC will be a house of glory, then no matter who you are, you will experience the glory. 
This is a time and a season where we cannot be concerned about titles. We cannot be concerned about rank. We cannot be cer- We must be concerned about one assignment and one assignment only. That's to come into close contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords so that his glory will be known by the corporate body of Christ. The glory will be just as strong in the parking lot as it is in the sanctuary. Just as powerful in the nursery as it is in the Bible study. What matters is that we are all after the same thing. We can have a church where the glory of the Lord is so strong that none of us can stand in it. I don't need to preach because when I come into a close encounter with the King of Kings, He'll do all the preaching that's necessary. If we came in on a Sunday and the glory of the Lord was so strong that none of you could walk through those doors... You're getting slain out in the parking lot. You're just laying in the presence. That's the encounter we need. We can have a church where the move of God is so profound and so pronounced that a city will have to sit up and take notice. That sinners will flock to find out what is happening. That starved will find spiritual food as well as physical food. That drug addicts will feel shortchanged. That the unloved will find the love for which they so long. What would happen if the drug addicts all of a sudden couldn't get their high on their meth? But they knew there was a place where there was no high like the most high. Where they began to get addicted to the presence of God. We need a people who are addicted to the presence of God. Not addicted to to power. Not addicted to position. Not addicted to authority. Addicted to the presence of the Almighty. This is a day in the hour. I want to prophesy to you this morning. This is the day of the saints. This is not the day of the fivefold. This is the day of the saints. The fivefold equips the saints to do the work of the ministry. You are the saints. So no matter if you're an apostle or just a parishioner, you've got the power and the opportunity to experience the glory of the Lord. We have a choice. We can settle for the encounters that have so long satisfied us, but as for me and my house, as for me and my team, if we're going to have another Ezekiel 44 church, then shut the doors right now. I'm just going to be real. If we're just going to settle for sweeping up and running errands, then we might as well close the church and go find another one. But I know that's not what we're called to. As for me and my house, as for those who I know who are called to this house, you know you're hungry. If people are going to walk in here and leave exactly how they came in, bound, broken, devastated, addicted, sick, then take all the equipment back and get me an application for Starbucks. Like, can we be real? I'm determined and desperate for us to have a church where we can have a close encounter with God that stuff will fall off and stay off. I declare to you the man was right when he said this, a church is not a church until God decides that it will become a place of divine visitation. The building may be one of architectural splendor and exquisite design, but it is not a church until God issues a certificate of divine occupancy and takes up residence there. And I believe that God is issuing that certificate of divine occupancy because there's a people who are hungry for a 2 Chronicles 5 church. We need God to occupy our place. Without His presence, we are nothing more than a social club. So my challenge is, will you stop at an encounter? Will you be satisfied with a little taste here and there? Will you wink and say, yeah, they have a cool little church? Or will you join us as we pursue His presence at all costs. My prayer today is that together we will press in until God issues a certificate of divine occupancy in this place. See, God, we long for an encounter. 
Let it start today in our hearts. How does this happen? Well, I want to give you the terms of an encounter this morning. I want to give you the terms of an encounter this morning. A simple encounter will not do because there's a huge difference between an encounter and a close encounter. And we want to push into and hold on to for a close encounter where everything changes. I don't want you to be able to attend service and lift and leave like you just left a business seminar. I don't want you to experience that. We want you to come face to face with God. I want you to experience that glory that's talked about in Second and Chronicles 5. I declare that this is the kind of church we want to have where every priest experiences his glory. The Bible declares you've been made kings and priests unto the Lord. When you understand that, then, then you will begin to stand as a king and a priest. So how do we have this? Well, have you ever heard that term or that phrase, coming to terms? Anyone ever heard that before? Most of us have heard it in business situations where we're negotiating with another party. When you go to buy a car and you have to get a car note, they say, here are the terms of the note. You're going to have such and such interest for so many months. And I believe that the first step in moving from an encounter to a close encounter with God is that we must come to terms with Him. We must come to terms with God. However, the problem is that God doesn't negotiate. God doesn't compromise. God doesn't let us argue or bend a little here or there. In fact, He's very rigid, actually, when it comes to the terms or stipulations that must be met in order for us to get close to Him. Our problem is that most of us have grown up in the Burger King society. Have it your way, right? So I want to come to God, and I want it my way. And we think that we have the right to demand God to fit into our way and our order. And I want it this way. So we carry that mentality over into our relationship with God and we try to demand that He meet us on our terms. God isn't going to agree to let you have your way. I've tried it. I'm sure y'all have tried it. God, do it this way. And God's like, "Mm, no, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. God refuses to ignore or accept our unwillingness to meet on His terms and in His territory. The phrase that that kept coming to me this morning as I was kind of wrapping up my notes was this. If I just wait long enough, if I just wait long enough, how many of us have ever said that before? If I just wait long enough, so-and-so will change. If I just wait long enough, then this will happen. Let me tell you, it's not how it works. I love what the pastor in the Hebrides revival prayed. He said, God, how dare we ask for revival for a nation if I haven't experienced revival myself? Change starts in us. We can look at everybody else and go, if they do this, if they do that, ah, it starts in us. We have to come to God on His turf, or He's not obligated to have a close encounter with us. And I believe there are three terms we must meet in order to get close to God. Here's the first one, hungry. Real simple, hungry. The very first term or condition that must be met is that we must be hungry. God is very clear in stating that those who seek Him will find Him. Those that hunger and thirst for Him will be filled. We don't have a God problem. We have an appetite problem. What are we hungry for? If you're like me, your appetite is driven by cravings. Anyone ever driven by cravings? Man, I'm really craving such and such. Chocolate. I tell you, after I had surgery in 2021, you can ask my, I was never a chocolate person. I did not, I I wouldn't eat candy. I had surgery in 20, and all of a sudden it's like, where's the chocolate? 
get me some peanut M&Ms. <laughs> Last night I was working on my message, and I'm sitting there, I'm praying, and I'm like, ooh, peanut M&Ms. Do I have any peanut M&Ms? Oh, there's some in the refrigerator. <laughs> you will do weird things when you're craving something. When I was in Bible college, a friend of mine, we would go because in and out which there's nothing like In-N-Out. I don't care if you're a Whataburger fan. It will never reach the level of In-N-Out. I'm getting some thumbs down. You'll get saved at the end of service. I believe. I believe. After our Friday night outreach, it was just habit. We're going to go get an In-N-Out. And you'd begin to crave it because it became routine. When it becomes routine, you begin to crave the same thing. Whether it's fame, whether it's fortune, whether it's success, whether it's friends, whether it's Starbucks. How many of us really crave God with every fiber of our being? How many of us long for him so bad that we will do anything and go anywhere to contact him, to touch him, to encounter him? I remember one time I was craving good Mexican food while going to Bible college. Northern California didn't have any. But I heard that there was a place in Red Bluff, which was about an hour away and the, the owners of it had been from Southern California, which has good Mexican food. So we drove an hour to have good Mexican food. Because when you're craving something, you'll do anything to get it. Cravings will make you do weird things. If you don't believe that, ask any man whose wife has been pregnant. It's 3 a.m., pickles and peanut butter. Anna never craved those things. What she did crave was spicy food. Have you met our children? They are spicy, feisty, full of flame. And then I had the same cravings that she would have. Sometimes I'd get the craving an hour before she would have it. So I looked just as pregnant as she did in those days. See, cravings will make you get up when everyone else is asleep and when everyone else is overtaken by apathy. Cravings will cause you to get out, stand in line, spend money, expend effort, take time, even when it isn't convenient or comfortable. Have you seen Black Friday that now starts on Wednesday? People will stand in line to spend money they don't have to get something they don't need because they crave it. They crave that new PS27 or whatever it is. I don't game, y'all. I will never understand it. My question is, when was the last time that you craved God so much that you were willing to do something crazy if necessary? When was the last time you were willing to do things that others weren't to get to Him? When was the last time you were willing to get up early to find Him? When was the last time you were willing to skip the party everyone else was going to to get into His presence? How hungry are you? I remember when I was 15, the Lord gave me a challenge for the summer of my 15th year. He said, I want you to seek me every day. And I want you to fast. And I want you to do certain things. And then a friend of mine came and said, do you want to go to Hawaii with us? And I said, what are the dates? And they said, these are the dates. I'd already committed to a seven-day fast with some friends of mine. And we were going to go to a conference during those seven days. I'd already committed to it. And I had to say, no, I won't take the all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii. For seven days. And my friend was like, why? And I said, well, I've already committed to this and this. God will understand. God, God would understand. He would understand my apathy. And he would reward my apathy with a lack of his presence. 
you can have as much of God as you are hungry for. And I want to say to you, it's time to change our appetite and increase our desire for Him, to crave Him, to long for Him, and you will find Him. I love the story of Jacob in Genesis 32. The whole account is a story of intense and consuming hunger. Jacob wrestles with God and refuses to let go until he is blessed. I want to declare to you that some of you are just giving up too early. You're letting go too early. I'm looking for some folks who will hold on until you can't hold on anymore. I'm looking for, I believe God is looking for some people who are so hungry for a close encounter with God that they refuse to leave. Refuse to quit. Refuse to be silent. Refuse to give up until they get the blessing, get the breakthrough, get the answer, get the touch that they need. Mark me if you want to. Cripple me if you want to. Ridicule me if you must. Laugh and shake your head if you will. But I refuse to let go until I get what I've been promised. My promise is that if I will seek him, I will find him. My promise is if I will pursue him, he will pursue me. My promise is that if I will turn my heart toward him, he will hunger. I'm sorry, he will turn his hands and his face toward me, driven by a passionate and consuming hunger. We must be hungry to find God. I'm hungry. Church, are you hungry this morning? Tell someone this morning, I'm hungry. Your appetite needs to change. Here's the second term. You have to be honest. This is the challenge to many in the church today is that we must be honest. God never deals with us and allows us to remain dishonest. In order for us to have a close encounter with God, we must become brutally honest about who we are, who we are not, what we have and what we don't have. Again, I refer you back to Genesis 32. Jacob was hungry, but he had to meet God on his terms before breakthrough could come, before blessings could be given, prior to a close encounter that would change everything, including his name and his walk. Jacob had to be honest. The angel of the Lord says, what is your name? He wasn't unaware of Jacob's name. He needed Jacob to identify who he was on the inside. I'm Jacob. I'm the trickster. I'm the, I'm the scammer. I'm the cheater. And his honesty produces an encounter with God. Jacob had to get honest in that moment. This is who I am. I stole the blessing from my brother. Isaiah had to be honest. We love to look at Isaiah 6. And go, oh, the glory of that encounter. But Isaiah says, woe is me. For I am... An, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. He was honest about who he was and who he wasn't. Everyone thinks I'm the man. I'm the great prophet. I glow in the dark because I'm anointed. But honestly, I confess I'm undone. I'm unclean. I long for the day where we can be honest in the church again. Honest before God again. I'm tired of people who act like they have it all together when they walk in the church house and they miss a close encounter due to dishonesty. And if I'm preaching to you this morning, if the shoe fits, wear both of them. If I'm not preaching to you and you're honest, hallelujah, keep walking in it. But if you're here this morning, you haven't been honest with God and you walk in like everything's okay. You know those people who walk in, well, I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, if you are, great. But if you're not, be honest about it. 
And then they go home and they go to work and they're falling apart because they missed the opportunity to be honest in the presence of the Almighty where God can actually fix it. When we're honest in the presence of the Almighty, God isn't unaware of your situations. What He needs you to do is be honest about your situations. Why can a person go to a bar and spill their guts and no one thinks less of them, but you can't come to church and come clean? That's messed up. Because you know why? We've developed such a religious structure in the Church of America that when we walk in the doors, we act like we've got to have it all together. The Western church loves the facade of holiness, loves the facade of having it all together. But I think we'd actually really have revival if we came together and said, I'm messed up. I've got a mess, but I know a God and I know a people. You know, the Pentecostal, the early Pentecostal church had a phrase, pray them through. When you had a mess, you prayed people through. You got real, you got honest, you got ugly about it. You ugly cried, but we're so afraid of our mascara running down our face and our masculinity being challenged. We're afraid to get real. But I've come to challenge you to honesty this morning. Who are you? Are you undone? Are you messed up? Are you broken? Are you angry? Are you filled with lust? Are you filled with pain? Are you filled with depression and disappointment? Who are you? That's what the angel of the Lord asked Jacob. Who are you? What is your name? And here's the other question. Who aren't you? I know we can act like we have it all together when you get here, but what is the truth? Put on a show if you want. Play the part of an actor or actress, if you will. But until you lay the mess down, until you lay the mask down and fess up to your messes, your hurts, your needs, you will leave here without a close encounter. If in your prayer time you're not honest with God and you just give God the platitudes of patty cake... You will never have a close encounter with God. You have to get real. If there was ever a season for the church to get real, it is this season. Because we've watched for the last two years the fake be played out in the fake news, the fake media, the fake church, the fake people. The season of fake is over, church. I would rather us be honest and open about it and allow God to touch us and change us than to have to go through what the woman at the well went through. Here she is sitting at the well, and her story teaches us that we either come clean, honestly, or God will force honesty upon us. I don't have a husband. That's right. No, you don't. You've had five, and the one you live with isn't your husband. Can you imagine the red face, the trembling lips, the ducked head, the debilitating embarrassment of being caught? See, people get afraid of prophets and word of wisdom and knowledge when you aren't honest. If you've got something to hide, get it before the Lord. Pray David's prayer. Search me and know me, O God, and find any wicked way in me. Most people I know that are afraid of these things aren't afraid because they think it's weird. They're afraid because they think someone is going to publicly divulge what they're doing in private. So let's remove the fear and let's just be honest. Every one of us has issues and problems. All of us, me included, we all have issues and problems. But let's be honest about it and let's let God work it out. God requires us to be honest in order for us to be blessed. God refuses to deal in fallacy and he won't play charades. He always demands truth. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you can be honest with me. I know you don't believe it yet, but you'll get there. Here's the third term. 
holy. Say the word holy. The third condition or stipulation that must be met in order for us to have a close encounter is that we must be holy. David challenges us in Psalms 24 when he asks this question, who can ascend to God? In other words, who can get so close to God? Who can have a close encounter with God? Then he gives us the answer, those with clean hands and a pure heart. Holiness is not optional, it's a prerequisite. We've taken the idea of everyone working out their own salvation with fear and trembling way too far. There are standards and guidelines that we are required to live by. The idea of working your, out, your own salvation is not a license to sin. It's not a license that lets you get to decide what is right, wrong, or acceptable. We must be holy. There are black and white areas in this gray world. In fact, if you go back and read two different accounts about the church that we read, in the Old Testament, you find that holiness is a key component to having God's presence invade your space and this place. In Exodus 40, it was only after Moses and Aaron washed their hands and feet in the laver that they could go into the presence of God. God laid out the, the tabernacle in such a way that we would get an image of what it means to come close to God. You've got to wash first. You've got to wash first. In 2 Chronicles 5 that we read, it says very clearly that regardless of rank or assignment, every priest was consecrated. Do you get that? They were consecrated. They set themselves apart. And then the glory of the Lord filled the house. Holiness is crucial. Every priest, nursery worker, janitor, singer, usher, preacher, elder has to be consecrated and sanctified. We need the same thing. I'm not more holy than you are. You're not more holy than I am. When it comes to the cross, it's a level playing field. Holiness is a standard and a prerequisite. We need the same things. We need you to be holy so that we can have a close encounter. You need me to be holy so that we can have a close encounter corporately. Am I saying that we expect our, ourselves to be perfect? No. My goodness. If you would have heard some of the conversations I was having with my wife on my own tirade of some things I was frustrated about, you'd go, wow, is he saved? But I'm sure if I heard some of your conversations about the tirades you'd had, I would ask the same question. Because at the cross, we were all, I, I play real, y'all. I'm going to let you know, I'm not sanctified 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's that, that, that shirt that says holy with a little hood. That's me, y'all. I got to come to the cross just like you do. I got to get sanctified just like you do. But holy is a prerequisite. Holiness is crucial. As your pastor, I expect you to be genuinely and passionately pursuing holiness. I remind you that the priests in the Old Testament would tie a, a scarlet cord with bells around the bottom of their, 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 their robes so that when they went into the Holy of Holies and it stopped shaking, you, you pull them out. They would, there, there's some stories in the Midrash that would say they would keep them awake for 24 hours just so they wouldn't dream of sin. That's intense. Because that's what it meant to go into the Holy of Holies. And here's the thing. Now, we don't go into the Holy of Holies. We've become the Holy of Holies. We are the place where God dwells. How much more should we be aware of what's in our lives? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Holiness is crucial. I'll say it again. God demands holiness. I was thinking about this. I was like, what if we had to start tying red scarlet ropes around people's ankles when they walked into the church. 
Well, that's not the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira. After the cross. What if holiness became such a force in the church that people did start dying because they lied to the Holy Spirit? They weren't honest. What was point number two? Honest. Ananias and Sapphira had to get honest. I know, y'all, I'm not preaching some blessed mess message this morning that's going to make you thrill and chill. But I believe for us to cross over to the next threshold, we've got to deal with some of this in our hearts. This is a season, I'm telling, there, there are spirits of deception that have been released into the church that are taking people out. Taking people out. I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about corporately. I'm watching as friends that I've walked with in ministry for 10 or 15 years, no longer serving the Lord. Because they've let go of the honesty. They've let go of the holiness. They've desecrated the altar in their own heart for the sake of comfort. God never alters the robe of righteousness to fit man. He changes the man to fit the robe. People say all the time, I can't help the words I use. It's a habit. Break the habit. Get delivered. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll just alter this for you. No, 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 no. He says bitter water and sweet water can't come from the same well. No coarse words. I can handle my drink. Okay, that wasn't really for you. Let me trim the thing down. I'm telling this is a season of accountability in the church. It's a season of accountability. When I'm talking about the corporate church, what worked 10 years ago isn't working right now. We've come to a dividing line in the church. We want it to get easier while he expects us to get off the milk and onto the meat. Well, I, I, I'm good with it. I can, I can handle a few drinks. Yeah, but what about that Christian brother that watches your social media? What about that, that recovering addict that you don't realize they're a recovering addict and because you're a leader, they go, oh, well, they can do it. I must be able to do it. This is a season God is calling the church to accountability because we set a standard and I believe that more than ever, if we don't set the standard in our own life, others are following suit and they're falling off. They're being picked off. I know it's a hard message, church. It's not easy for me to preach and say things like this. But I'm telling you, more than ever before, the standard has been raised. Actually, Holy Ghost just corrected me. He said, the standard never changed. The church is being called higher. The standard never changed. I challenge this morning, do you really want a close encounter? Do you really want to fulfill the prophetic words on your life? Do you really want to experience all that God has called you to? If it is, you need to be hungry, you need to be honest, and you need to be holy. Many of the times, the things we, that we do that are habits or addictions are trying to feed an un, undealt with area of our heart, a grief, a hurt, a wound, whatever it is. It's time to get healed. Don't stay in the past because it will keep you there. If your answer is yes, then you must become hungry. Your appetite must change. Do you want to have contact with him? Then you must be brutally honest with yourself. I'm closing, Melanie. Then you must approach God consecrated and holy. We, hear this this morning. I'm saying we, I'm not saying you. We must deal ruthlessly with our sin. God's dealing with me on my own attitudes, my own issues, my own hang-ups. 
my own critical spirit at time. It can be so easy to get into a critical spirit because of things in other people's lives. And then God goes, hey, here's a mirror. But you know what the word says? Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. How can we look at the world and expect them to act like the church when the church doesn't act like the church? How can we look at other people and say, well, if they would just get cleaned up? Well, what's messy in your life? What is the hidden sin in your life? What are the things that you're holding on to that you haven't let go of? Who is it that you haven't forgiven? I highly encourage, if you're not registered to come to Encounter Weekend next weekend, it's a great place to have a close encounter with God. Friday and Saturday, it's a great place to have a close encounter with God. It will challenge the areas of sin in your life. It will deal with the things that haven't been brought to the cross. But as your pastor, I want to say to you this morning, I believe more than ever before, more than ever before, I am more persuaded more than ever before that God is about to pour out something so fresh and so new in this house. I believe God wants to shake us to shake a city. But if we don't deal with the hidden things, if we don't deal with the offenses, offense will cost you more than you ever expected. It will cost you your peace. It will cost you promotion. It will cost you your pursuit. You cannot afford to be offended in this season. It will cost you revival. I want you to stand this morning. One of the things the Lord began to convict me about this week is a spirit of complaining. He said to me in my quiet time the other night, he said, Jacob, he goes, your complaints stink. That, that's how God talks to me, okay? He may speak to you in King James. Thou complaining stinketh. But he, God's real with me. He said, your complaints stink. And I said, God, but this and this and this. He said, when you begin to complain, I begin to turn my ear the other direction. I mean, talk about a rebuke. God said to me, he turns his ear the other direction. Just being real this morning, whatever it is, I'm going to give us a few minutes to begin to ask the Lord, what is it that I need to get honest about? What are the areas that I'm not living holy? What are the hidden things in my life that I need to deal with? Who do I need to forgive? Who am I offended with? Maybe you're offended with church. Maybe you've got some church hurts you haven't dealt with. Whatever it is this morning, let God begin to deal with it. Spirit of God, we welcome you right now. Spirit of God, we ask you that you would do what you do. Surge us and know us, God. Find any wicked way in us. I'm just going to open the altars right now. If you need to come to the altar and seek the Lord, 
You need to come bow before the king and let him deal with you. Opening the altars this morning. Some of you need to pray through and some of you need to be prayed through. Whatever it is that's holding you back from being hungry, whatever it is that's holding you back from being honest, whatever it is that's holding you back from being holy, let God deal with it this morning. Father, I pray this morning that you would search us. That you would know us. Who are you? What is your name? God, I thank you this morning. Uproot the spirit of offense. Uproot the trauma. Uproot the false narratives. Uproot the depression. Uproot the disappointment. Uproot anything that's holding us back from knowing you fully. Uproot the vain imaginations that paint a picture of us that's better than we actually are. Deal with it, God. Because you're faithful. You're faithful. And Father, I pray this morning that you would begin to show yourself strong and mighty to your people. I pray, Father, this morning that you'd begin to show yourself strong and mighty to your people. You are our deliverer. Church, I want you to pray this with me this morning. Father, I repent of every hindrance in my life, every hidden sin, every offense, every blockage. Today, I choose to forgive those who have offended me. I lay my offense at the altar. Today, I choose to release the offenses. Today, I choose to repent. God, forgive me for not being hungry, for not being honest, and for not being holy. I choose to turn Heal my land, God. Heal my family. Heal my heart. Make me whole. In Jesus' name. You're in the room this morning. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus this morning. You've never made a decision to make him Lord of your life. I want to give you that opportunity. You would say to me this morning, Pastor Jacob, I've never chosen to follow Jesus. And today I want to put my faith in Him. Or you'd say to me this morning, I, I prayed a prayer a long time ago, or I used to walk with Him, but it's been a long time since I've walked with God. I want to give you that opportunity to rededicate your life to Him this morning, to choose to surrender. Following Jesus is a choice of giving Him Lordship. And if that's you this morning, I want you to signify by raising your hand. You're choosing to surrender your life to Him this morning. You may be watching by live stream this morning. You're saying, I want to choose to surrender my life to him. I want to dedicate my life to his lordship. 
Well, hallelujah. This morning, in just a few minutes, I'm going to have Hector and Susanna come. They're going to share some of what's happening around the place and receive our tithes and offerings. This morning, I want to say to you, get hungry, get honest, get holy. Those terms will bring you to a close encounter with God. That's the terms. That's the conditions. But if you do those three things, I I can guarantee you because it's what the Word says. It's not my guarantee. It's the guarantee of the Word. If you do those three things, you're going to come close and have an encounter with the Almighty. Amen. Pastor Susanna, will you come? You can be seated. Amen. What a challenging word. I always have to listen to the sermon three, four times during the week. Amen. So I just want to challenge, encourage you to do the same as well. Because there may be some things that we miss and and God is just speaking to us. Even as we continue to dig for revival on Wednesday we are going to continue our digging. All right? How many of you all were blessed a couple of weeks while right? we were watching the transformation videos? It really encourages your faith. All right? So if you have not been joining us on Wednesday, you're most welcome to come. If you need a ride, some of you I know are not able to drive at night, please let me know. Right? There will always be people who will be willing to uh, give you a ride. We don't want you to miss uh, dig deeper in God. Uh, And that's a teaching series, Digging into Revival. And uh, just a reminder for those of you who have signed up for Next Steps uh, after service this morning, uh, please stay and uh, we have lunch. And if you have not registered with me and you want to know more about this church, you're welcome to stay after church as well. Um, And again, lunch is provided. And even as uh, Pastor Jacob was talking about crossing to the next threshold as TEC, we want to encourage you to attend Encounter Weekend, or maybe I should change it to the Close Encounter Weekend, right? on uh, 7th and uh, 8th of October, which is just this week. All right. So many of you have uh, registered. Some of you have said that you are coming Uh, You have not paid yet, so if you have difficulty uh, with finances, please come and see me because we have several sponsors who will be be able to pay for the registration. So uh, just a reminder, on Friday, registration starts at 6.30 and then we start promptly at 7.00. And then on Saturday, the 8th of October, this Saturday, there is no prayer meeting, but we will continue with our Close Encounter weekend. And uh, please be here by 8.30, I think 8.30 in the morning. uh, Breakfast is provided. And then we'll start the sessions and uh, you will be here the whole day. So lunch and dinner will be provided. Okay, so if you want to know more about the Encounter Weekend, Close Encounter Weekend, just come and see me. And uh, another thing also, it's the uh, International Students' Dinner. So uh, we need help 
in uh, organizing this dinner for international students, especially from Texas A&M and Blinn. So if you have, um, you're available on the 22nd of October, which is a Saturday evening, come and see me or Pastor Hector. We are coordinating this uh, dinner as well as the other leaders as well. So please make sure that, you know, if you come, just let us know how you want to help. We need people to um, give rides, uh, clean the church and, and get the tables ready. We're going to have a, 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 a buffet dinner and it's a sit-down dinner as well. So we need lots and lots of help. So just come and see us. I know it's still, you know, it's 22nd October, but the days go by so quickly, right? So we're expecting about at least 45 to 50 students. So um, we need your help. And at the end of the year, we culminate with the Holy Ghost Camp at Messiah's Ranch, and that's going to be from Friday the 30th of December right through the 1st of January. Uh, we have already received one registration, right? one hungry person, right? So, and I know that it's uh, quite a lot, $150 per person, but um, uh, we have uh, some financial help, we have discounts for families, so please come and join us. And I believe that every time when we come to the end of the year, is a culmination of what God is reminding us of. And it's also an opportunity for our senior, senior leaders to talk about the next year, 2023. We are crossing a threshold and it's very exciting but scary at the same time. So we want to move as one, as a church, into the new year. Right? So come and see any of the leaders uh, if you need more details about the Holy Ghost Camp. And uh, we're going to prepare our hearts for... Um, tithes and offerings. If you want to give, the number is on the screen and uh, we encourage you to um, uh, give online. Well, I just have a couple of things to, to share about the offering. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago, I just uh, gave um, some sort of instruction which was uh, very well obeyed. Thank you so much. And the instruction was that if you are giving a check from two thousand to five thousand, please bring it to the church, because uh, because from two to five thousand, because then uh, we don't have to pay the fees that we have to pay paying online. So so a so few thousand dollars came as an offering as a check. But now, sorry, I apologize for my lack of faith. From, if you have a check from 5,000 to 10,000, <laughs> please bring it to the, to the church. Now, a $10,000 check, that's 300 uh, fees that we have to pay. So that your, your offering is $10,000 and $300. That's how we want to say it. Amen. I am <laughs> don't think that I had the faith when I said that last time, okay? As I, as I don't have the faith now, so forgive me again. <laughs> but I need to prophesy an increase coming to the church, new jobs. And what I want to tell you is seek the Lord because God will give you the increase. Don't seek man for the increase. Seek the Lord. Man will give you 3%. God can give you 50%. Now, if you want to uh, trust God completely you will notice that inflation will not touch you. That's what is going to happen. So I have to release that. And now I just wanted to share one insight from the book of Genesis chapter 4. I'm just going to read one verse which says, Abel 
also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. We need to understand that, uh, that, that God is not poor. He just, he just doesn't need our money. <laughs> if you look at it that perspective, okay? But we need to give it by faith. Now, the, the thing that Abel did, if you look into a Hebrew, and this is foundational. See, you can be the most obedient person in giving, but also you can be crooked. <laughs> you can be distanced from God because you want to manipulate God. God, I've given you, therefore, allow me to live my life. That's what you're telling God. So what Abel did is he, if you look into the Hebrew, what he did is that he gave himself as part of the offering. That's what he did. He said, God, this is my offering to you, but I am myself also offering myself to you. And God is looking for our heart. God is looking, are we surrendering our lives to him? And what a privilege for us to do it through our offering as an act of faith. This is, God has so much more for us. I tell you, one of the things that I've seen in my life is God's provision. And he has never let me down. Because it doesn't matter what, whether you have a lot or a little. The question is, is God covering you? Has he, is he covering you? Is he meeting your need? And what I can tell you, for, since I got saved, he's meeting our needs. That's it. It's, just, it's not about abundance or lack. It's about God meeting your need. It's a different perspective. Okay, so let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, that uh, you bring us a revelation today. And even as we give online or through these envelopes, or in whatever way we give to you, Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you will receive our lives today, that you will receive our hearts and our minds. We surrender to you one more time. We surrender. And we want to obey your word that says, that tell us to honor you. So, Father, in our giving today, we honor you as our Father and provider. And we thank you and praise you for the amazing blessing that is coming to us in terms of purpose, ministry, and the harvest that you're bringing to us. And with, all those th and, and with that seeking your kingdom, all the other things are going to be met. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you stand this morning? Listen, if you need a miracle in your body, you need uh, God to bring some breakthrough to your life, Pastor Hector and Susanna and Greg and Shelley will be here to pray for people. Uh, let's believe God for their miracles. But I just want to encourage you, come Wednesday night to dig, and if you haven't registered for Encounter, uh, Close Encounter, uh, this weekend, I, I highly encourage it. I'm telling you, every, every single one is, is a little bit different but God takes us deeper and deeper and takes us to a new level of being healed up, filled up, and freed up. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Amen? All right. Father, I pray this morning, the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face to shine upon you, turn His countenance towards you, and give you peace. May every good and perfect gift which comes from the Father of lights be placed into your hands that you may be made perfect, lacking nothing. And that as you go from this place, you'd go into the world recognizing that you have a mission to fulfill. That you are called to have an encounter with God. To be equipped to fulfill your destiny. And to engage the world around you for transformation. In Jesus' name.
Have an incredible Sunday. If you're staying for next steps, uh, hang around and we'll have lunch afterwards. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us. Thank you.